tech, cars, machines. Subscribe here or at gtkpartners.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to this episode of Tech Cars Machines, CES 2024 edition. CES, formerly known as the Consumer Electronics Show and now also an important auto show, celebrated its 100th anniversary this year. I'm very happy that once again, CES hosted us with studio space on the convention floor, from which we are bringing you this episode and two others. Thank you, CES. It was a huge year. 135,000 people attended, up about 20% from last year. Chinese citizens can finally travel post-COVID, and I was happy to see great representation from that country. Germany, France, Italy, South Korea, Switzerland, and other countries had dedicated spaces for attracting new business and promoting existing ones. So did the state of Indiana, which has a consistent, sophisticated presence at many tech functions. The entirety of LVCC, that is the Las Vegas Convention Center, and the convention centers of several hotels were consumed by CES with spectacular, expensive floor displays from the major consumer electronics, automobile, industrial, and diverse other players. The conference floors and all of Las Vegas had a tremendous buzz and a constant hum of activity, motion, and excitement, some of which you can hear in the background of this recording. You couldn't walk at the speed limit, so to speak. It was that crowded. If you're looking for evidence of a recession, the decoupling of China from the West and its allies, or geopolitical woes, CES was not the right place for you to be. A great friend and occasional client with whom I walked the floors for a couple hours one day said it best. CES is how the world should be. A beehive of entrepreneurship, a fantastic melting pot of humanity from every corner of the world, all exuding optimism. When I visited a booth with a strange offering, to me, it still meant optimism. What I saw was a group of people, with some backers presumably, taking a contrarian, throw caution to the wind path. You could call it foolishness, but so was the idea of selling books on something called the internet or making an electric car. So I choose to see it from an optimistic lens. So, what were the insiders talking about? I'll give you an overview of their M&A and financing thoughts, and then I'll tell you what trends you're likely to miss if you weren't at CES and talking with the right crowd. As always, what follows is not investment advice and is consistent with keeping the confidences of the people I talk to. I'll also provide you a bit of inside scoop on industry verticals. We'll spend some time on AI and a lot of time on autos, a bit of time on IoT, and a dash on accessibility technologies. First, let's get AI out of the way. And boy, am I tempted to put that acronym in quotes every time I use it, because it really is more of a trope now than a concrete concept. Search for the word AI in the CES app, and you might as well have searched for the words the, and, or just a space. Everything at every exhibitor's name pulls up. For heaven's sake, L'Oreal, the beauty products company, which was an exhibitor, had a generative AI angle. Quote, we already own 10 petabytes of data supporting all types of AI models, including the latest LLMs, which they helpfully spell out as large language models. They throw in Web 3.0, cloud, IoT, and AI elsewhere again for good measure. Not exactly typical lipstick ingredients. Now, I've presented what they said in a humorous way, but there's something revealing about what L'Oreal is saying, and I admire him for it. And that is that AI, and in fact technology itself, is a horizontal, not a vertical. Can you think of an industry segment that hasn't already, or doesn't need to, adopt or react to the types of things on display at CES? Web 3.0, cloud, IoT, AI, these are table stakes now everywhere, as much as phones and internet access. 
and I applaud L'Oreal's announcement for reflecting this reality and being pretty specific about it. The presenters and insiders at CES know all this, and the buzzword pronouncements are for street cred. And by street, I'm talking about both Wall Street and the person on the street. In contrast, I don't remember a single instance over three days where any presenter, after recognizing I have a technical background, tried to sell me on their, quote, AI. The conversation was always about the usual business fundamentals, markets, products, differentiators such as price or performance, customers, etc. Now, let's talk about deals, transactions. Mergers and acquisitions forecast by the people in the know at CES are a tale of two cities. For large deals, the expectation is for a humdrum 2024, probably pretty much the same as 2023, and perhaps picking up in 2025. Three reasons. First, and unusually compared to the preceding couple of decades, regulatory risk to deal consummation is a showstopper now, to the consideration even of many transactions. The US and EU antitrust authorities are increasingly interventionist, and a certain tit-for-tat of deal denial between the West and China is also a complication. Since antitrust stances are a function of particular administrations, we get the second factor depressing 2024 big deal prospects, elections. In fact, from what I've heard, 2024 is reportedly the year in history when the largest number of humans will vote in an election. The most important probably for our deal environment is the US presidential election, which appears closely contested at this point. So naturally, transactors want to see whose administration they'll be dealing with, Sleepy Joe's or the other guy, as Sleepy Joe refers to the other guy, the one who calls him Sleepy Joe. Classy all around. Third and last, high interest rates are a damper for the larger deals, where finances tend to get stretched, and there's some perhaps wishful thinking that rates will go down over the year. This was all for large, prominent transactions, what I just described. For deals below the radar of regulators and sharp-penciled CFOs, there are across-the-board reports of increased desire for activity, but no sense that an uptick in pronouncements is imminent. I expect a good year for private equity technology acquirers since, in the mid-market category, the strategics are tilting toward pruning rather than tuckins. For startup financings, except for very few segments, the infamous AI or fusion energy being examples, success depends on providing detailed support for revenue projections. Valuations per stage haven't changed that much over the last 18 months. For example, Series A's bounce around 30 to 40 million pre-money valuation, Series B, 75 to 150, and Series C's around 500, reflecting the typical big jump from B's to C's. Few people want to talk to companies that don't have at least nine months or a year of runway because taking nine months to raise around is not that unusual anymore. In addition, people want to finance startups and private companies to at least an 18-month horizon, giving the management a little bit more runway before they get tied up in another lengthy round of raising capital. Large rounds are still happening, but international participation is much more prominent, especially from the Middle East and Southeast Asia, and in the auto and industrial sector, frequently includes strategics. For Telex, F-O-R-T-E-L-L-I-X, which is a software platform to validate and verify automobile automated safety systems, announced an $85 million Series C round led by new investors that include Tomasic, a financial investor out of Singapore, Isuzu, the Japanese vehicle company, and NVIDIA. So this is a pretty good example of what I was just saying about the startup financing environment. Okay, let's move over to sector-based insights. CES is the U.S.'s most important auto show. The crucial insider buzz was the potential for extreme disruption to major auto manufacturers, 
from the emergence of Chinese manufacturers. Chinese-produced vehicles, especially electric ones, are becoming globally competitive in quality while generally costing about half as much as a similar U.S. or Europe-produced vehicle. Volkswagen was mentioned most frequently as the most vulnerable in the near term. A surprising development is that consumers in Europe, who for whatever reason were not receptive to Korean vehicles, have few hesitations about buying Chinese vehicles. And I don't think the emerging competition is limited to China either. For example, Turkish auto manufacturer TOG, T-O-G-G, showed its T-10F electric sedan. And to my eyes, the vehicle's styling, fit, and finish were very competitive with that of better-known brands. It reminded me of Kia's EVs, in fact. At a more detailed level, the auto manufacturers focused on one-upping each other on the size of dashboard screens. Think Hoover Dam. In-vehicle tchotchke was heavily promoted, too. Here are two examples. First, one from Mercedes, which introduced an in-car app to showcase non-fungible tokens like the limited-edition Mercedes-Benz NXT SuperDACL collection that pays homage to the activity at last year's CES. Here's the second example. Given the trend toward turning autos into yet another venue for sedentary binge-watching and doom-scrolling, forward-thinking Tier 1 auto supplier Magna now has driver seats that incorporate EpiPen technology to gently and discreetly inject weight loss medication into your glutes through your clothing. Only the drug Ozempic is available now, but evidently Wegovi cartridges are in the works. Now, I made up one of those two examples. I'm sure you think you know which one was the one I made up, but I bet you you're a little bit uncomfortable about the lack of complete certainty about your decision. This shows you how surreal things have gotten with in-vehicle amenities. Part of the issue, I think, is that electric vehicles have made quiet, well-handling rides with good acceleration accessible to many people. Boasting about an extra 50 horsepower, which people used to do a lot, doesn't make sense when an EV vehicle can throw in a second motor the size of a basketball for a couple hundred extra horsepower. This is a serious point we've made before, years ago. How do brands maintain differentiation when many of the things that define them, smoothness, quietness, handling, performance, are intrinsic to an electric powertrain that will likely be ubiquitous? Oddly enough, not much going on at CES on two perennial big subjects, autonomy and powertrains. The headlines are about the loss of interest in autonomy. You've heard of the retreats by Ford and GM's crews, and the reduction in interest in electric vehicles. And if we let you have those points as a takeaway, you'd be missing a lot, and then you'd wonder why you bother with this podcast. So here's what you need to know. First, the promises of around-the-corner autonomy in production vehicles has been reduced to incremental advances in, in driver assistance features, ADAS, A-D-A-S for short. That is, those sporadic interventions, beeps, and buzzes that make you less accident-prone. I don't see too much changing for drivers in the next couple of years, but there's tremendous activity around how to get these features into the car efficiently. However, what is very clear to me is that the consolidating survivors and leaders in autonomy have capabilities that, really for the first time in years, substantially exceed the public's perceptions. Many insiders walk around talking, still talking about how it's going to be years before these you know, self-driving cars actually happen, but that's just not the case. They're here. We have two episodes recorded at CES that will prove the point. One with Torque, Daimler Trucks Autonomy Division, and the other with Indy Autonomous Challenge, an autonomous race car organization. Yes, race cars, as in driverless driving at 190 miles an hour. Both will be pretty exciting episodes. 
Regarding the decline of interest in EVs, insiders are generally not surprised by the slowdown. It was always clear that the early adopter market would be saturated at some point and that cost reduction and improved look, feel, build quality, and charging convenience were required for greater mass market appeal. Chinese EV manufacturers are doing a great job on cost and price reduction and Tesla's following. It's unclear whether others can profitably follow suit. By far the most interesting development on the charging side, at least for North American markets, where drivers typically have predictable parking spots, at least at home, is wireless charging. Wytricity, linked in the show notes, has a solution similar to the wireless charging pads for your cell phones. A small module is added to the EV battery, which, when parked over a pad that easily fits within a parking spot, is automatically and wirelessly charged. Moreover, it's bi-directional, meaning your battery can be used to support the electric grid for storage. This is a big deal, and you can learn a little bit about it if you listen to our prior episode, episode number 32. Speaking of wireless charging, let's talk a little bit about the Internet of Things. As you can imagine, CES was full of exhibitors with various gadgets and systems for home and building automation. Two things have always complicated the adoption of these gadgets. One was connectivity, where good Wi-Fi or LT coverage has always been an issue. The other is power availability. You'd need to be connected to power, a problem, say, for a door lock, or you'd need to constantly replace or recharge batteries, also a problem for a door lock if you don't get to it in time. OSSIA, O-S-S-I-A, a company that we've been watching for some time, has a wireless charging solution that can triple charge multiple devices from a distance using a single base station, including when the line of sight is interrupted. This is a big deal, especially in commercial and office environments. One last category that caught my eye and that is wearable accessibility technology. There were quite a few exhibitors in the space with dedicated category and section. The AARP, the Association of Retired Persons in the United States, had a large footprint aggregating some of the exhibitors. Here are a couple award-winning examples. Gyrogear makes a wearable glove that cancels out hand tremors, enabling close to normal function. Xander glasses transcribe speech in real time and project captions onto the wearer's field of view. It was very inspiring. I'll explore more the next year, and I'll provide links to these companies in the show notes. Okay, you're probably noticing that I'm starting to fade. Talking faster, words are getting a little slurry. All I can say is, it was an energizing few days, but I'm exhausted. Time to go home. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And if I were you, I would at least make a day trip to CES next year. I've already made my reservations. Tech. Cars. Machines. Subscribe here or at gtkpartners.com.